Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton, and today we're going to be talking about the topic of being bold and taking risks in midlife. I personally love this topic because it goes against the conventional narrative of this time of our lives, which says, you know, take it easy, play it safe, you know, kind of coast into the finish line, wherever that finish line is. You know, this isn't the time to take risks. And my guest today has totally blown this whole cultural narrative right out of the water. Um, Joining me today is Diane Gilman, who, after a very successful career as a fashion designer, who basically dressed celebs and A-list stars all over the world, she reinvented herself and her business at the age of 60 and went on to become a $100 million brand, which is beyond comprehension. And now at 77, she's a breast cancer survivor. She's the author of a book called Too Young to Be Old. And she's basically like an expert on conquering life's challenges and harnessing your own power to create your dream life, basically. So welcome, Diane. I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, thank you. I love the title of your podcast. That shows bravery (laughs) in and of itself. So I'm, I'm all about being an old chick that knows shit. So yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to go. I love this topic because I remember, you know, early on in my reinvention when I decided, okay, I'm, I'm not going back to my corporate career. I'm going to do something that I truly love. And so many people said to me, well, wouldn't it just be safer, you know, at your age, just to kind of go back and finish out your, like, you don't have that long to go. And there was points where I actually considered it. <laughs> don't get me wrong. But every time I thought about it, I was like, you know, I want this chapter to be something that I feel passionate and excited about, right? Yeah. And the truth is, I was so forced to reinvent myself. And I was so, at the same time, compelled. First of all, I grew up knowing I had a talent, wanting to value it, nurture it, grow it, to a set of parents who absolutely were not going to support that at all. They were only going to support the role of a woman as I turned into, getting married, having children, Mm -hmm. end of story, no discussion. So I had to leave home at the age of 18 and really reinvent myself. And how was I going to support myself? And how was I going to do a craft that I had not been schooled in because my parents refused to send me to fashion school. But everything in my life, came out of not only being bold, but seeing signs. Mm. So I got a phone call one day when I was in the middle of the lawsuit and lost my my name and my label, and it was QVC. And they said, hi, we're QVC. Can you come on? And they were getting a lot of designers in the early 90s who had been big in department stores. And I said, I can't because I can't use my full name. I'm so sorry. And I'll never forget. She said, oh, that's no problem. We'll just call you Diane. And that's how I got on TV for 30 years. Took me a couple of times on TV and I thought, 
I think I could do this. I think I want to do this. Now I have to totally reinvent myself. I had never done professional makeup. I had never gotten a blow dry. I had never gone to a beauty parlor and gotten a blow dry. My hair was just this wild. I always say if there was a great gift I could give away at Christmas, it would be me as a chia pet. Because in the summertime, my hair just expands, right? <laughs> so I, yeah, so I, Diane Gilman, Chia Pet. So I had to reintroduce myself to myself as a TV character. And then I did washable silks, which is, I brought washable silk to America, did that for many years on TV, but never wore it. All my fashion was always designed at a distance for somebody else. Then when I got to be about 59, I was a widow. I gained a ton of weight. I was lonely. I became a pastagenarian. I just ate pasta, a pound of pasta <laughs> at night and as a you know comfort food and couldn't get into clothing anymore that I wanted to wear. I had been the cool rock and roll chick for most of my life. So I bought some denim. I measured myself. I made a pair of jeans in my sewing room with professionals that would fit my middle-aged giant trunk around the middle body. And then I thought, wait a second, wait a second. I don't feel invisible anymore. I'm getting male attention again. I'm having guys pop up from manhole covers and say, yeah, lady. You know, I was like, 5960, suddenly I was less invisible. So I brought it to TV executives. I got a lot of no's, but I finally got a yes. And it was meteoric. It was insane how many hours on TV they filled with my little gene for a middle-aged woman because they were literally hundreds of millions of middle-aged women out there that had nothing sexy to wear. So I also helped my customers reinvent themselves and reconnect to their youth. And then um, I got to be the sexy rock and roll chick on TV again in tight jeans and high heels, and I was loving it. And then uh, about 11 years later, and we were doing $100 million a year, every year, at retail. I had not only conquered America, but I took it to Canada, became number one, tele-retail fashion personality, France, Paris, UK, uh, London, Australia, Germany, Dusseldorf, and Milan, Italy. So I was just insanity and craziness all the time and ignored my health. Mm -hmm. And one day, Christmas Eve of 2017, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. It was just an unbelievable shock to me. And then I had to reinvent myself as the brave warrior. And I remember I told my staff, that I had cancer and I was going to be gone for about a year and be good children and what you were going to do while I was gone. Everybody started crying. And I just said, no, you cannot cry in front of me. Mm -hmm. I cannot shed a tear. I said, because if I start crying, it's going to be a river 
and it could be a stream that turns into a river that turns into a tsunami. So I had to reinvent myself once again as sort of the adult in the room and also as someone who had to be very discerning because when you get a diagnosis like that, the majority of people treat you as if you're not going to survive, you're gone already. It's all a huge pity, you know what. And so I decided that I would have to reestablish my whole base of socialization around people that really believed in me and believed that I could work with my doctors and come mm-hmm. out triumphant. Right. That was tough to do. Right. And then when I came out, I decided, and I came out, I was back on air uh, the end of 2018 and had actually a record-breaking show, record-breaking for all of teleretail in the history of teleretail. Wow. So it told you that my customers really were all female and all related to so my tiny. battle in some way. And then I thought to myself, okay, I'm sitting here. And by the way, I just pulled it up by accident. My first video, my hair was about a 16th of an inch long. <laughs> no eyebrows, no eyelashes. And I thought to myself, okay, here's your chance. You're still on air. You've you've got this loyal customer base that's huge. Who do you want to be? Because you're coming out of this a different person, stronger person, braver person, maybe a more authentic person, more compassionate, more empathetic person. Who do you want to be? This is your chance to truly reinvent yourself. Oh, number one, I've hidden behind my hair my whole life. I have huge hair. So first question was, what do you want your image, physical image to be? And I thought, I don't want to dye my hair again. I'm scared uh, from all the hides against my scalp. I don't want it anymore chemicals in my body. I've got enough to last a lifetime. I'm going to go for white hair. Okay. And with that, what do you want to do with it? I want to be one of a very rare breed. I want to create glamorous older woman. And it became my favorite DIY project, me. (laughs) I was my favorite do-it-yourself project. So I was lucky enough, having been on TV for 30 years, that I had makeup artists, I had hairdressers that were really top of the line, and I got them all together. And I said, okay, here's the game plan. You guys are the talent. I don't know how to do this. I just know what I want. And I had, when I went online to research who did I want to be because if you're a young girl you've got a million images maybe you want to be a Taylor Swift maybe you're a Swifty you know just a million to me you want to look like Cardi B who knows but there was nobody I mean I went on for where were photos what could I show them So I had to forge my own 
picture and how do we want to do my makeup and how was that going to be every day acceptable but good in front of a camera and especially when I decided I'm going to back away from live television done it for 30 years is this what you want to do for the rest of your life no I want adventure I want growth I want stimulation I want learning curve so people thought I was totally crazy I just said I'm leaving at the end of the year. And I left December. It was not even five. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? Oh, my God, I'm crazy. Within five weeks, I was offered my own weekly podcast. Within 10 weeks, my first product came to me as an influencer, which I love. Silver-haired influencer. And I'm now becoming an influencer for a whole range of pro-aging beauty products for over 50 women. And so my advice is always, and I wanted to smack people when they said this to me, but it was true. You close one door, another door is going to open. For me, I closed one door, that teleretailing door, because quite frankly, I just wasn't stimulated anymore. When you get to be my age, when you get to be in your 70s, you've got to ask yourself the question, Is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Is this what I want to be my legacy? Is this what I want to fill up my brain with and have anxiety and agina over? And the answer was no. And I don't think I've been this happy in probably 15, 20 years. I love what I do now. I feel so creative. And you can't get there if you don't let go of where you're at. And I know that is the scariest thing in the world. But, you know, I wanted to go back to all those people that said, you close one door and another opens. And I thought, if I hear that from one more person, I'm going to punch them, I swear. And it was really true. There was a reason why it was a folk saying forever. You've got to ask yourself and be truthful with yourself questions like, Are you loving this? Are you being fulfilled? Are you happier than you are unhappy? How do people around you treat you? Would you change that whole environment if you could? And the other piece of advice I would give is what you did. If I was in the corporate world, then in a way I was because I sold my name and my brand and was then working off a contract within that company, which was very corporate. After 50, you are not going to be appreciated in the corporate world unless you are the owner or the CEO. You really want to try and do that again? I think not. Yeah. I mean, what I loved most about your story is yeah, there is a sense of like being very intentional about what it was that you wanted all the way through. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like so many of us and I did this for a long time, I just kind of was like going through the motions of my life and just kind of like not giving much thought to what I wanted because I was just doing the do, you know what I mean? Going along. Yeah, exactly. And, And I hear you at every stage, you know, like when you started your jean brand, right? Like you got to a point where you're like, okay, I don't like the way clothes are looking on me. Right. So therefore, I'm going to go and change that. And then you took the step forward. So yes, doors were opening, but you were also very intentional and took action towards that. Right. And I think that's the piece. And 
that idea was the light bulb moment of my life. Mm -hmm. And yet, I can't tell you how many doors I knocked on with that idea, and they all said no. Only one person said yes and gave me one itsy-bitsy little chance, and I took advantage of it. So I would also say that intentional or not, not everybody may understand you, and although you may be a risk taker, the people you're going to, which are usually suits with money, are not risk takers, and they're crazy because they want something new that's going to be this huge astronomical success, but they're afraid to take the chance. And it's always caught in between. And I have been very intentional all my life because in my own way, I've been forced to be intentional. I was out on my own at a very young age because my parents were not going to condone my career. And there I was at 18. And how was I going to take care of myself? And I put myself through UCLA for another year or so, but that was stupid because they had no fashion curriculum. So I've sort of between plotting my life out, which was always a reverence and a respect for the talent I was Mm. born with. So to me, inside my heart, my talent was such a driving force. I love fashion. I eat it. I breathe it. I sleep it. I live it. And the other thing that came from that, which was also, to your point, very intentional, was after being on TV for about 10 years, I thought, you know, I really think I can do this. And I started to hone my communication Mm -hmm. skills so that I became a much better purveyor of my fashion And actually, my aging message on TV, because my gene was specifically for a middle-aged woman, not young girls. Again, everybody has a million choices, a million images, a million brands. When you get to be old chicks, that thins out a lot. And so I think in a way, Jennifer, if you're, you must become more intentional, then I think when you get to be my age or in, you know, in that 70s range, time, that's your most precious commodity. And with time, you must be intentional. Yes. You can't. Yes. Yes. I will take a Saturday with no makeup on in my pajamas and, and cashmere socks and just watch trashy sci-fi movies all day. But <laughs> Or vampire movies or werewolf movies. (laughs) and But even that's intentional. That's like, okay, I'm giving myself one day to rest my brain and do nothing. So yeah, my, you're right. (laughs) Very intentional. And I I just, I love that so much is because everything starts with an intention, right? Like even, you know, as you're going out and you're knocking on doors, right? And people are saying no to you. Like, how did no, you, how no, did you no. not give up? Like when you hit the 10th or 20th door, like what stopped you from just saying, okay, this is not really an idea? My own business partner told me it was the stupidest thing he ever heard. He said he wanted to throw up at the thought of old fat chicks wearing a tight jean. And I'm looking at him and he weighs like 350 with you know, the giant beer gut and the belt that won't stay on the waist because there is no waist. And I'm thinking, 
You've got a hell of a nerve. I have a compass. I have an internal compass Mm. that says right and wrong. And it's moral compass too, but in this case, it was the artistic compass. I knew I was right. I knew it. I knew it. That gene that I made for myself so changed my life, so revolutionized my look and my mood and how I executed TV shows and the rest of my work day, I thought, number one, this is a huge idea. Number two, it's an idea to share. And number three, you are not going to change a gigantic industry like fashion. So, okay. So then my attitude became, fine. You don't want to help me? You don't want to do this? Okay. I'll figure out how to do it myself. Mm -hmm. So with very little capitalization, but enough, I went to when the TV network, HSN, got a female CEO who had been the founder of Ralph Lauren Polo Jeans with Ralph at the very beginning. I thought, number one, she's going to understand jeans and denim. Number two, she's a woman in her 50s. She's going to get it. And I'm going to grovel. (laughs) I'm just going to beg, okay? I don't care. And she did, and she got it. And then she was a person very much like me, um, but smarter, who what she saw was going to make money, she was all in. You know, I always say follow the money. So I knew once I was a money maker, and I had been a money maker for the network for years at a high level, but not astronomical. And then I shot to number one in fashion and number two in overall product, which was quite a feat. And so follow your instincts, follow your heart. You know, I always say for me, fashion and doing the right fashion and doing fashion I believed in was like being a surfer. You're obsessed with that perfect wave, like you're obsessed with that perfect design. And when you get up on that board and you are hitting that perfect wave and you're doing it right, no better feeling in the world. And that's what it was like Mm -hmm. for designing and having that moment when I thought, okay, this is so big. And if nobody else sees it, then I'm going to prove it to them. And I did. I love this because, I mean, I always talk about, and on this podcast, we talk a lot about kind of following that inner nudge. You know what I mean? That little thing that comes up that you almost like you want to push it out of the way because it seems so ridiculous, which I think you just demonstrated so beautifully, right? Like the world is telling you that nobody wants a midlife, (laughs) like middle-aged woman jeans and... And from a middle-aged woman, I remember I was 59 years old. Who in the hell was left in fashion at 59? Me, Ralph Lauren, Karl Lagerfeld. I mean, everybody else had left the industry, had given up. You know, I was considered too old to design and really too old to be on TV And I just wouldn't buy it. I just thought, no, I'm not listening. This isn't right. Blah, 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 white noise. I'm going to do what I feel 
inside of yeah. me is right. And it was what a thrill. Yeah, really and this thrill. is where, you know, it comes into like what we started uh, talking about at the beginning about being bold and taking risks, because the same thing happened to me. It was kind of like, you know, when I was forced to reinvent myself. So divorced, unemployed, an empty nester, <laughs> bedridden with a stress related illness. Sounds yeah, great. Excellent recipe, right? But there was this little part in my brain yeah. that kept saying there's more, there's more, right? And I'd be, I'd be going like, what? What is it? Like, what is it? Right. And then eventually it just, it started coming to the surface, but it took an immense amount of trust in myself and in that little nudge to be able to even give yes. it space, which is, I think, again, what you just did so beautifully, right? Like you took this little seed of an idea based on your own experience and then trusted it to lead you to the places you needed to be. And then I used my personal experience of wearing my jean as my selling points. And then I realized how valuable that was. Because then you could talk to a woman and say, is it always too tight around the middle? Do you have muffins spill constantly? Do you get home and you rip off your pants? Because you've got that red ring around where your waist should be. I had my own unique way of explaining my product because I loved my product and I wore my mm. product every day. And once I realized what a strength that was, then I multiplied it into tops and jackets and everything for midlife women. And, you know, they felt so ignored. They felt so downtrodden. They felt so invisible that it just became this amazing, I want to say community, sisterhood. I still get stopped on the streets of New York all the time with, oh my God, Diane, I have a hundred of you jeans in my closet and and everybody wants me to come back, but I'm not coming back. I'm on to a new thing. So That's so amazing. So you wrote the book, Too Young to Be Old. Why did you write this book and who did you write it for? Okay, so, and it's stupid. I was going to have the book by my side, but it's way over on the other side of the living room. So anyway, you can see the book on Amazon. It actually is a really good cover picture. Okay, so I was traveling back and forth all over Europe, back to Europe, back to America. Nobody wanted to give me a break. No one would cooperate and say, okay, we'll stage your shows so you can stay in Europe for two weeks and do England and France and Germany and Italy. And now everybody was in competition with everybody else. So I had a weird feeling in my breast, my left breast, and I just ignored it. I'd be perfectly honest with you. I don't like doctors. I have taken care of my health all my life, never been in a hospital ever. And I just thought, okay, it's calcium deposits. Well, it wasn't. Went to a friend of mine who was a, almost like a gynecologist. And he said, you've got to go get images. So Christmas Eve, I went to an imagery center in Manhattan and uh, they came out. I got sonograms and the woman kept me waiting over an hour and then came rushing in and said, I bet you wonder why you've been waiting so long. And I thought, well, yeah. And she said, because you've got cancer everywhere. It's hopeless. What? God. Uh, okay. That was the most surreal moment of my life. I remember she said, why aren't you crying? 
And I said, I don't cry. And she went to take my hand and I said, don't touch me. I don't like your vibes. Just tell me whatever information you've got and get, please leave this room. I just need to absorb this. So went home. I remember calling the doctor, my, my friend back. He said, I said, they said it's hopeless. He said, that's stupid. Nothing's hopeless. At, in 2017, my best friend is the head of all cancer surgery at Mount Sinai. You're going to meet her. And so they speed railed me in and I had the top surgeon and she took a look at me and said, you look like a perfectly healthy person to me with a localized disease in a part of your body you don't really need. And I thought, okay, my Mm -hmm. kind of person, I get it, let's go. And then she said, women like you, Diane, that have pardoned me, work their asses off all their lives, always do the best in treatment because you you know how to tough it out. So she set me up for success and she gave me someone to believe in, me and her. The next call I made on Christmas Day was to a friend of mine who was a senior editor of the Palm Beach Post. And she'd written beautiful articles about me and my collections. And I said, Jan, I know you're a magazine writer and a newspaper writer and editor, but you want to write a book? I said, I have stage three breast cancer. I want to leave a legacy. If I don't make it, I want to give women a guideline how to deal with that. And if I do make it, I want to give women a ray of hope. And then we decided that my whole life linked into that diagnosis. And then Jan, who obviously lived in Palm Beach, flew up and was there for every diagnosis. With Some of them pretty scary, like when you get the MRI and they tell you it's spread, it's too late, it's whatever. I was very lucky, nothing at all. That was really, that was pure luck. And we did it, and we set to work on it. And the other thing I wanted to do was if I felt I was going to come out of it in one piece, it was about growing older and how you deport yourself, what you expect from yourself, how you handle it. And I felt that having to deal with growing older and at the same time be back on TV, so being in a demanding career, and at the same time have some obstacles, health obstacles there. How do you craft your life as an older woman? So we did 25 rules for chicks that hate rules. And if I can put a smile on someone's face, if I can give them a pat on the back, a guideline for living a joyous, what I call third act, because obviously I see my life as a movie or a great Broadway play, then I feel I will have done my job. I felt my message was bigger than selling a pair of jeans, although that was great and made a millions of women happy. We wound up in 13 years selling over 20 million jeans just in America. But I feel that so many older women get no support, no Mm -hmm. guidance, and especially if they've been married a long time. And then because the husband is traditionally about 10 years, a decade older, and they lose the husband, they're so lost. 
They don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know themselves. So I felt that the way I felt about my gene, my gene was a niche business for a particular audience that needed fashion guidance. And I think for those of us who are over 50, go through a great divorce, go through a husband passing, go through children moving away, empty nest. It's good to know that you have people like you and I, Jennifer, who want to form communities with you. And we're all in it together, but maybe we just have a different brain function. And I'm very pragmatic about everything. And what I think is good and what I think is for growth. And I think that the toughest thing of all is society throws us away and they don't think we're worth, why would you care about growing? You're going to die soon. Why would you care about, I went to um, a beauty symposium that was for a very famous European brand. I was by far the oldest human being there. I was, well, it was a, a, a long table. It was very exclusive in the Hamptons. And I was the only one with white hair. And I remember one of the younger women leaning over and saying to me, not nasty. She was honestly curious. She said, why do you care anymore? Oh, well, there is that feeling that you get to a certain point And you're not attractive to men anymore. And so why should you even care? And what do you care about an image? And you're not going to do anything with the rest of your life. These are all presumptions of what aging is. But we know you're in charge. That doesn't have to be true if you don't want it to be true. And this is honestly turning out to be one of the most inspirational parts of my life. I love learning new things. I love social media and the opportunities visually and message-wise. So it's about not giving up and not giving in to social pressures, which basically render you useless after the age of 55 if you're female. Well, you know, I mean, the cultural narrative really says that, you know, at the age of 50, it's like the downhill slope into old age oblivion. And then at some point you just like disappear into a puff of smoke somewhere, right? Yeah, get me to a nunnery, really. And I had a friend of mine just recently, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, she's in her late 30s. And she said to me, my number one fear of aging is not wrinkles or gray hair or my changing body. My number one fear of aging is becoming invisible. And irrelevant and silent. That's the other thing that really drives me crazy is when, and I'm from, you know, what has to be the biggest and the greatest generation on earth, the baby boomer. And we were such a force. I remember breaking out in the sixties and that's where I met the rock and roll stars. I dressed like Janis Joplin and the Jefferson Airplane and Jim Morrison. And and we were vocal and we were convinced that we were right and we were going to change the world. And we did. And then we all went off and did our own thing and became old and meek and timid and silent, except for some of us. Right. And I don't know, but I don't think this, we are the spending power of America. We are a graying nation and we are the majority of America. We should have the biggest voice, 
but we only are have a whimper. And then there's people like you and me that say, no, 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 this is elementally wrong. And in numbers and in coming together and believing in one another, we can be a force. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the work that you do and the work that I do, I mean, I started this podcast because I wanted to share stories like yours, because, you know, as women in our 50s, we're kind of like on the leading edge of what it means to be to age, right? Like different grandmothers, right? We're on the leading edge. And we've never had anybody model it for us. Like what, what's next? What's possible, right? So Uh in sharing stories like yours, and all the stories that I get to share on this podcast, it's like, Here's the role models that you need to know that this is not the beginning of the end for you. This is the beginning of your next chapter. What do you want it to be? <laughs> and I I felt that very keenly. And I thought, I am not going to be discounted yes. because I'm older. I'm not going to be silenced. You're not going to instill a ton of fear in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I always said the same thing. If, if I took a thousand women in my audience and I said, raise your hand if you're terrified of growing old. If I had an audience of 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, a thousand women would raise yeah. their hands. People are terrified of it. But what is your alternative? Well, the alternative is not to die young. The alternative is to figure out how to enrich your life as you get older, how to change your goals. Look, I don't jump out of bed and start jogging like I used to at 4 a.m. My body isn't attuned to that anymore. But, you know, there's good things. My body is attuned to more relaxation, to being out in the garden, planting flowers and feeding birds. And I have a beautiful garden in Manhattan. And I just took things that I had done when I was younger and said, can you still do them? Do you still want to do them? What would you do instead of that? And I filled up my life. I even took cancer, breast cancer, and made it a beautiful, beautiful section of my book and my life. It was, I learned lessons from cancer that were invaluable. And I gained social skills and heart skills that will do me well for the rest Mm -hmm. of my life. And that's a great part of what the book was. The book was really written from the heart. I had a very difficult childhood, very difficult home life was very, very angry and and bitter for years and always thinking, what would my career and my life have been if I hadn't gone through all of that? And then I gave it up. I mean, I never, so when I went through cancer, it was never, I'm so angry. I'm so bitter. I had to go through this disease. It was, this is a segment of your life. This is not your entire life. I learned from it. I had touching experiences during it, I would honestly and really be honest telling you, I would never give up that part of my life ever. And that's what you've got to do as you get older. You've got to understand a lot of these instances like cancer, best cancer, they're life lessons, they're karmic life lessons for you to learn from. 
your choice. Do you want to learn from them or do you want to be devastated by them or do you want to replay them constantly? And so I formed a whole new me. A whole new me is an older woman who really wanted to go out into the community in a philanthropic way, emotionally and morally and do good. And that would be my epitaph and my legacy. Yeah, I mean, and I truly believe that every stage of your life prepares you for exactly where you need to go next. Like all of the experiences that don't make sense, all of a sudden start to make sense, right? And we were never meant to be the same person from the beginning to the end of our lives. Like we were Exactly, but no one ever tells you that. Right. Right. And so it's this beautiful journey of growing and blossoming, right? And so if we look at it that way, and then you're seeing kind of this next chapter, okay, you know, my second chapter or my third chapter, whatever it is, it'd be, and you could look at it with excitement about, oh, who am I going to become? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? As opposed to fearing, resisting, holding on, keeping yourself stuck. Well, that brings up a massive point, which is, when you are a child, you've got, you can't wait to be a teenager because teenagers come with like lots of stuff. <laughs> you learn all kinds of mysterious stuff like sex and you get to wear better clothing and you get to choose your own clothing <laughs> and you get to be out of the house and doing stuff. And then when you're a teenager, you can't wait till you get into those college years and now you've got autonomy and freedom. And then you want to be putting together a family and planning that and living through that. Everything has a whole set of goals and stories and people until you get to about 50. And then it's just a wasteland that nobody, then you just what fall off a cliff. And there's, there's no, Oh, wait till you're in your seventies. You're going to love it. No. No, none of that. And then even as a woman, you know, just hearing that Robert De Niro's turning 80 and had his seventh child, but better than that, Al Pacino is 83 and is having a child with a 29-year-old woman. Uh, Excuse me, but if I turned around and started parading a 29-year-old boyfriend and said, you know, uh, I saved my eggs. I was artificially inseminated with this guy. It's going to be great. The the blowback, I would <laughs> I would be living in a cave somewhere. Yeah. So not only do we have the challenge of aging, but we have the challenge of aging as a female, yeah. which I will tell you, you are not getting the advantages a man no. gets. So you have to, as usual... And as with the rest of your life, work twice as hard to get your footing. Yeah, I mean, we really are at the intersection of ageism and sexism, right? Like we've lived with sexism. Yeah, are we not? And now all of a sudden, we're just going to lump this one on top. And you know what's beautiful? You know what's so beautiful is that I get to tell stories like yours and other women who have said, you know what? Pile it on. You're not going to stop me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not buying it. I'm just not going to buy into it at all. And, you know, people had place for me. And like, and it really, really the way I think family members and people around you kind of get a hold of your life when you're a child, maybe up to the age of 13. And they've got 
all kinds of plans for you. And here's the slots you need to fit into. So much of that happens when you get older, too. And, oh, you should go to a place where they can take care of you. And, you, you know, I live in a duplex with a huge garden up on the roof. I love it. But people are always saying, now, you know, in a year or so, you're not going to be able to climb those stairs. Holy God, just hold your peace, people. Okay, I'll figure it out. I'll get, I'll put it in an elevator. I'll do something. But you have people who want to tell you what to do, but you don't have most of those people have never gone through the experience of aging and left any kind of guidelines. And so this, I always say, is like, being lost in the Amazon with just a machete and you're hacking your way through all these supposed social truisms, which aren't true at all. And people that are just, that want you to buy their products or their point of view. And, but I think that one of the guiding lights we're going to see shortly is because the publishing industry, like Sports Illustrated with Martha Stewart on the cover at 81 years old. The Oscars, Hollywood, blows my yeah. mind. Best actress and supporting actress, both 65 years old. And the other nominee, Angela Bassett, 64 years old. The cover of People's Most Beautiful People, 2023, Helen Mirren at 77 years old. Hello, girls. We're beginning to be seen. And with that, you'll start to get all kinds of niche businesses. Like I was just offered to be an influencer. I love that. I still want to be a silver-haired influencer. I just love that. For a cosmetic brand that makes, was developed by a female cancer Mm -hmm. patient who lost all her lashes and eyebrows like me during chemo. And it's specifically designed for us who now have much less left, how to maximize it, how to nourish them, how to grow them. That's the kind of stuff I love. That's the kind of stuff I really want to represent. it. I think it's doing a huge service. And you'll see that start mm-hmm. to steamroll. Yeah. You'll see, I, I hope you'll see more clothing like my brand, DG2, which were about specifically, specifically dressing midlife and older ladies. Cosmetics that really deliver whatever it is for older skin that doesn't turn over its cellular structure as quickly or for me, I asked my, my TV makeup artist, so what about my eyelashes if I'm going to represent this mascara product? And he said, to be honest with you, because we've been together for 20 years, he said, you lost two-thirds of your eyelashes mm-hmm. and about 75% of your eyebrows during chemo. So let's see what this product can do. And, you know, the chemo is not so different. Chemo is a double whammy if you're aging. And you had, you know, to go through that at 72 and 73 the way I did. But you're going to start to see products that are saying, I want you as a customer. I respect you. I can make your life a little bit happier, a little bit easier, a little bit better. You will now start to see that creeping in because it's all about follow the money. 
And once they recognize us as people that want to buy product, but we don't buy product because it's not geared to us, it's geared to teenagers or 20-year-olds, then you'll really start to see some societal changes. And what I love is that so many women now are stepping up to create the products that they wish they had just like you did, right? And, you know, midlife women, there's nothing more important to them than purpose and making a difference. And so when we see these women-owned businesses, these women-owned brands, you know, who are being started by women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, I mean, it it makes my heart sing because we are really changing the world. Yeah, and it's interesting, but when I started to put together my crew for my social media and which is a lot of work and uh, doing a lot of videos and going a lot of places and my podcast, I decided to make it an all female crew. Okay. So thank you, men, but no men allowed. You it's same. all girls, girl power. <laughs> I did too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just wanted too. to, I felt more comfortable that way. And I also felt, like my engineer is this incredible Irish girl, just under 30, but she's such a little genius. She's so good and earnest and what she does and hardworking. And those are the women I want to be surrounded with. You know, one of my biggest challenges all my life was I never got a formal education in design. So I could tell, I could tell you 1 million times I'm really talented and you would go like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hire someone else. So if I see that you're talented, I don't need to see a college degree behind it. And for females, I want females who are really true, true to themselves, recognize how earnest I am about what I'm doing, how precious time is to me, how focused I am in my message and the good I want to create out of it. We need people that believe in us. And if we ourselves feel that aging as a female is has its own special set of challenges, then why wouldn't you want yourself surrounded by females? And, you know, and the other thing that's beautiful is, I mean, you know, your 30 something engineer is now seeing what's possible from you, like her view of her next chapter of her life is going to be totally different. Having experienced you know, you and how you run your life. Yeah, it's so true. It's changing generations, right? Yeah, and I wish wish when I was younger that I had had that. I wish I had seen some really positive signs from older women. But I always used to think to myself when I was younger, and that was really in the 60s and early 70s, I used to think, this aging thing for women is not good. Like I am not going to age like that. I am not going to age out at the age of 45. I'm going to figure out a better way to do it. And so I set my goals on that. And it was always present in my mind. When I was in my, I would say, late 20s, I was already mapping out, as you said, I'm very intentional. I was, one thing I knew for sure, never retire. I was not, so ask yourself that question too, ladies. What would, for me, retirement was this huge, dark 
abyss that you just plunged into and never got out. I would say if I had to give maybe the most valuable lesson for hitting 50, it's start now and know yourself. Yes, you will change. You physically, you're going to change and things are going to come up in life that, that change you or shift your priorities. But your inner core will always be there and serve you well if you know yourself. Love that. I love that. (laughs) That is so true. And for so many of us, we, and this was true for me, you know, we lost ourselves along the way. And this is is the time where we reclaim all the parts of ourselves and we face them all forward and we keep marching into the second, third and fourth chapters of our lives. So thank you for saying that. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. So you're on social media, you're a social media influencer, you have a podcast, your book, where can people... I've got my own YouTube channel. channel. I can't believe it. (laughs) The Diane Gilman, the Diane Gilman. And um, this was just a pleasure. I love talking to like-minded women and we've got a purpose and it's good. And, you know, it was interesting too, because when I got, and I know we're ending the podcast. So just short story. When I got, out of, I sold my name and I sold my company and I was contractually obligated to spend a couple of more years there. And I did to the best of my ability, but my heart was already shifting somewhere else. I had to form a new company. Uh, And so um, I formed a new LLC and the power of intention. They said, you've got to give a name to your new LLC. And I said, oh, I've got it already. My shining future. I love it. My shining future. That's so so good. Yeah. Thank you, Diane, for this amazing conversation. This is so much fun. Oh my god! And for leading the charge for all of us. This was incredible. And to those of you listening, I encourage you to go check out Diane's book, her new podcast, her YouTube channel. Follow her on social media. This woman is a force to be reckoned with. So I hope you enjoyed this. And if you like what you heard today, please feel free to leave a rating or review for this episode or better yet, pass it along to a friend, a sister, a relative that you think would get something out of it. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.